You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Antichrist is more than someone that opposes the truth and opposes the true Jesus. Yes, that's part of it, but it's more than that. It's also someone who replaces the true Christ with a false Christ. And that's what Antichrist is going to do. It's going to be the false trinity, the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Uh, He'll have a fatal wound, Antichrist, that'll be healed. That's the false resurrection. And people will marvel. Because everything about God, Satan's always wanted. The end of the world is sometimes hard to think about. There's going to be so much death and destruction, and truth will be anyone's guess. One figure that will emerge during this time is the Antichrist, and Pastor Danny will tell you about him today. He'll share why he'll be doing what he'll do, and it's all because of Satan. The enemy of Christ is the enemy of every believer, so watch out for him. While we don't know when the Antichrist will appear, we do know that evil is here now. So share the truth now, too. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 John chapter 2 with today's edition of The Living Word. First John chapter 2, now we pick it up, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Now, He'll pick up the idea about Antichrist uh, in the next verse and following, and we'll get to that. But the first point, verse 19, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Here in this section, John gives us four, four sure fire evidences that someone's really saved, that they really are headed for heaven. Now, I call your attention very briefly, once again, as I've done, I think, often in this study, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Here's what John says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And in this section, he gives us four sure fire evidences that we can know that we have eternal life, that we really are saved. And the first is that verse Verse 19, and I'd say it like this, perseverance. The truly saved uh, will make it all the way. Now, it doesn't mean there won't be bumps along the way, Uh, sometimes big bumps. Uh, You just ask Samson. I mean, what a failure. Over 20 years, repeated failure. But Hebrews 11 tells us he's he's there. He's with the Lord. 
Uh, David, we mentioned him last week, the terrible sin with Bathsheba and the subsequent sins that followed. But there's no doubt about it. David, he's there. He's with the Lord. Now, leave the text for just a minute. Go with me to Luke chapter 8. Because Jesus tells a parable about this very uh, point of perseverance. Luke chapter 8, and you find the place, go down to verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. Farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he had said this, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jump to verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes the word from their hearts so that they cannot believe and be saved. They're the ones along the path. There, there's a hardness there because that's the path. It's the hardness. If you go off the path, uh, the soil is different, all right? But there's a hardness there, and that's the idea. Their hearts are hard, and it's their own fault. It's their own fault. It's not God's fault. But the devil's able, after they hear the truth, they hear the gospel, they hear the word, and he just snatches it right away from them because their heart's hard. Nothing can get in there. Those, verse 13, on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. Uh, I wrote down, not an area with rocks on the surface, but rather a thin layer of soil covering a solid ledge of limestone a few inches below the surface. So the heat from the sun... Uh, makes this type of soil a hotbed that produces rapid germination and then a furnace that soon scorches and withers the tender plant. But I've seen people like this. Not that I'm the judge who saved or not, but I've seen people and they, they start off with a bang. I mean, I've seen people that, that convict me about how they go out and they witness and they're zealous for the Lord. And then, then all of a sudden, what happened? And they're no more in terms of their faith. Their commitment to Christ. They don't even confess Christ anymore. And then, verse 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, over time, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. These are legitimate uh, concerns in life that are not submitted to the Lord, and so it then ends up choking them. Life's worries, riches, and pleasures. But verse 15, the seed on good soil, stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by, here's that word, persevering, produce a crop. When God created the first man, Adam, it says he took from the, the dirt of the ground, basically, and he formed him, and before God breathed in him the breath of life, he's just a dirt bag. You know, this is called the parable of the seed and the sower, but once when I was teaching through it and doing my notes, I put at the top the parable of the soils, because the seed is the same as the Word of God. The soils are different. The soils are different. And so don't answer out loud, but what kind of dirt are you? Hmm. The real deal, the one truly saved, they will persevere. Not that there won't be mess-ups along the way. Some of the greatest men and women of the faith God recorded for us, big mess-ups. Noah, after the flood, he got drunk. But there's no question he's with the Lord. Here's what Hebrews says 
You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Verse 39, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. And if you're destroyed, you're not saved. But of those who believe and are saved. And one mark of a truly saved person is that they will persevere to the end. They won't believe for a while and then they don't believe anymore. They won't confess for a while and then not confess. No, they'll persevere. They may be like Peter, that on a moment of weakness even denies, even cursing, he's cursing, and he denies that he even knows Christ, but that's not the truth. He does know Christ. And what happens to him after the cock crows, we'll get to in a minute, because it, it proves, that proves he's, he's, he's a real deal. He persevered, even though he made terrible mistakes. You heard Jesus say to him, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, the things of man. But that doesn't, he's still saved. Still saved. Now, the second, go back to 1 John. Second surefire evidence in the text. Verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who's the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray and specifically trying to lead you astray in regard to the truth about Jesus Christ. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and that, as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And what he's saying there is talking about the truth regarding Jesus Christ. Jesus, well, even before I say that, the Antichrist, it mentions the Antichrist. The, the Antichrist is coming. There is a person called the Antichrist. He's got other names as well. Uh, when he comes, he's going to be accompanied by all kinds of counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles. It's mysterious to me. Uh, in Revelation, the false prophet that serves him will call down fire from heaven, and people on the earth will go, wow, and they'll worship the beast, as he's referred to, because that's how heaven views him. They'll worship him. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse 24, for false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, those who are truly saved if that were possible. Not possible to deceive the truly saved. Uh, mysterious, the counterfeit signs and wonders, that's just mysterious to me. But it, it shows the power uh, of the enemy. Now, the Antichrist is coming. Is he alive now? I hope so. I really do, because that means Jesus is coming real soon. Uh, I hope he's alive. But I don't know that. I don't know that. But the Antichrist is coming. But many antichrists have come. We need to understand what antichrist is. Antichrist is more than someone that opposes the truth and opposes the true Jesus. Yes, that's part of it. But it's more than that. It's also someone who replaces the true Christ with a false Christ. And that's what antichrist is going to do. It's going to be the false trinity, the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet. Uh, he'll have a fatal wound, the antichrist, that'll be healed. That's the false resurrection. And people will marvel. Because everything about God, Satan's always wanted. Okay? Listen, 
The Antichrist is coming, but many Antichrists have already come. Not just people who absolutely outright oppose the true Jesus, but people who tell you this is Jesus. This is the Jesus, the, the true Jesus. They come to my door all the time, two of them usually, <laughs> JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses. And every time I say this, listen, we love the Jehovah's Witnesses. We're to love all people, all people. But listen, the Jesus, and if I converse with them, usually I'll start off with, you know, I'm sorry, I love you, but we, we don't serve the same Jesus. Your Jesus is not my Jesus. All right? The Mormons. I love the Mormons. I love the Mormons. And you talk about family people. I mean, my goodness. But they serve a different Jesus than me. Um, false Christ. False prophets. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11. Just listen to it. If someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, and he rebukes them, you receive it. I mean, you accept it. He wrote in Galatians chapter 1. That's not what he said. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. That's serious. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody, anybody's preaching you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. I didn't mention this last point, but it's right up here, the second point. First is perseverance. Second, surefire evidence, purity of doctrine regarding Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of Christ out here. Do you understand that? There's a lot of Christ you can choose from, but there's only one true Christ. Only one true Christ. I, I have this in some other notes, and I didn't go and find them, so I just went and grabbed this thing. It's called the Spirit of Truth and the Spirit of Error. Let me just give you a few examples. Christian Science, from their publication, Jesus is the human man, and Christ is the divine idea. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, not Jehovah God. Jesus Christ is not Jehovah God. He was the first son that Jehovah God brought forth. So he had a beginning and a little g. My next little booklet coming out, next one coming out, we just finished and they're printing. It's called Taming the Terrible Tongue. And the one they're working on now, it's called Jesus is God. Capital G, capital O, capital D. That's pretty simple to understand. But I'm going to lay out all the evidences of how we know Jesus is God. Capital G, capital O, capital D. Mormonism. Among the spirit children of Elohim, the firstborn was and is Jehovah or Jesus Christ, to whom all others are juniors, junior gods. Eastern mysticism. Christ is considered to be one of a long line of masters who had themselves realized divinity. The unity church. The Krishna of the Hindu is the same as the Christos of the Greeks and the Messiah of the Hebrews. This Christ or perfect man idea existed eternally in divine mind and is the true spiritual higher self of every individual. The Unification Church, and I'm just going to stop with this one. As a man, Jesus was no different from us except for the fact that he was without original sin. So look, there's a lot of Christ out here you can choose from. Who's the true Christ? Well, let me tell you that the Christ that John... The, the writer of this little uh, epistle believed in. You go back to John's gospel, John's gospel, chapter one, and listen how John opens this gospel of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. You jump down, verse 14 the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. You go to John chapter five, John chapter five, 
Uh, here's what Jesus said, verse 17. My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, according to them, uh, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. You go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 32. Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Because they, they're picking up stones. They're trying to kill him again. We're not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy. Because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Listen, you don't have to read very far in the Gospels and in the Word of God to realize Jesus claimed to be equal with the Father, not little g and big F, Father. No, he's equal with the Father. That's what he claimed. Even Islam, Islam believes in Jesus Christ, but they say he was a great prophet. Well, come on. Do they look at what he claimed? He claimed to be God. If you don't get this Jesus, you don't have the gospel. There's only one gospel. Any Jesus, any Christ that is not equal with the Father and absolutely without beginning of days or end of life after the order of Melchizedek, you don't have the right Jesus and you don't have the gospel. Boy, you're getting me worked up. I guess it was the running that did it. I don't know. But listen... I'm so, I'm so emotional about this. The same reason Paul was emotional. That's emotion there. Because listen, he knows if you get the wrong Jesus, you won't be saved. You can't be saved. The real Christ said, no man comes to the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. There's no other truth. There's no other gospel. This is the only gospel. Jesus Christ, who is God, very God whose origins, Micah 5, 2, are from eternity. He's God, come in the flesh. That's the gospel. So perseverance, purity of doctrine regarding who Jesus Christ really is. And don't ever, listen, don't, don't, be kind, be loving, but don't ever compromise that. I love you, but that's not the truth. You serve a different Jesus than I do. Just tell them the truth, because that's the only way they're going to be saved. All right? Not a prideful thing. It's just the truth. And the third, go back to 1 John. Third, surefire evidence in our text that someone's truly saved. Verse 28, uh, and now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him, dear friends. Now, we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And here's what you want to see very carefully. Verse 3. Everyone who has this hope in him of seeing Christ because you're a child of God and he's your Messiah. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Just, you got to see this one. There's other patriarchs, Paul talking about how, what the advantages of being uh, an Israelite. And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all. <laughs> Pretty clear. 
All right? And the third, third surefire evidence is purity of life. Just listen to a couple of scriptures for a minute. Just listen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, uh, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Talking about a lifestyle. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Listen to another one. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, it's loose living, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. There's an interesting one. Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because something changes in life. Now, with this, let me just throw out so we'll understand. I mentioned before, Mormons are, are very family-oriented, uh, very you know, upstanding in, in a sense. Jehovah's Witnesses, same way. Uh, I mean, they're people that can be respected in that regard. But listen to what Jesus said about the Pharisees. The Pharisees, he said, you clean the outside of the cup. On the outside, you appear to be righteous. You look good from the outside. And we need to understand the truth uh, about the gospel and real Christianity. Purity of life has to be linked to purity of doctrine regarding Jesus Christ, okay? It can't just be, I, I clean my act up uh, outwardly, all right? And I'm respected in the community. Uh, let me read you from Martin Lloyd-Jones. And boy, he just, he's with the Lord now, but here's from one of his sermons. Holiness is not something we are called upon to do in order that we may become something. It is something we are to do because of what we already are. That we are to discipline ourselves in order that we may become Christian is a denial of the doctrine of justification by faith. I am not to live a good and holy life in order that I may become a Christian. I am to live the holy life because I am a Christian. I am not to live this holy life in order that I may enter heaven. It is because I know I am going to enter heaven that I must live this holy life. Amen. Amen. You see, I'm motivated to be faithful to my wife, to be pure, to not be sexually immoral. I'm committed to her and her alone. And my commitment to her is because I love her. And yet it's more than that. I know one day I'll see Jesus Christ. And one of the things he will judge me on in terms of my relationship with him is my relationship with my wife. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, we're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we must all, every true believer, must all be, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. See, I could be unfaithful to my wife and still go to heaven, but I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ one day. So I want to be pure, not only because I love my wife, but because I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to stand before him one day. I want to stay away from the drugs that I used to be addicted to. 
Not only because I know the end of that road, all right, and what it will do to me physically and what it'll do to my family, but I want to stay away from those drugs, not only because I know the end of that road, humanly speaking, but because one day I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ. You've been listening to another edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. Thanks for tuning in. John the Apostle had a unique relationship with Jesus, and it shows in his writing. He knew Jesus in a personal way, and John knew him to be God. Sometimes it's hard to tell what's real in this world. But as John wrote, Jesus is the real deal. As we continue to journey through the book of 1 John, evaluate your own relationship with Jesus. Do you know him in a deep and personal way? Do you know him to be the real thing? If you're struggling with this, spend time in the Word and ask the Lord to reveal Himself to you. We also encourage you to keep seeking Him, and we'll continue to pray for you as you grow in your faith. Would you also be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost too. Thank you so much for praying. If you're looking for a church home and live in or near the St. Petersburg area, we want to connect with you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We also live stream our services. Find out more at ccfstpete.church. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. And with that, we hope you'll join us again next time to learn more from the book of 1 John right here on The Living Word.